John chapter 3, verse 16 to 20. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because he has not believed in the name of God's one and only son. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but men loved darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. But he is with you. A preacher is a Calvarian. Hallelujah. He started here some years ago and is currently the senior pastor of Legon Baptist Church. He has been um, the president of our ministers' conference, the Ghana Baptist Ministers' Conference. Under his tenure, a lot of things happened for our conference. Amen. We had our minister's manual that was published, and a lot of documents for church work were published under him. And he is in no person than Reverend Samuel Otupimpo. Let's put our hands together as we receive him, uh, as he brings God's word to us. Good morning, everyone. And I'm happy to be here this morning to be with you. And that reminds me of several years ago. Well, this morning, but then I want to express in no uncertain terms my profound gratitude to the senior pastor for welcoming me to come and preach the word of God here. And I also thank the entire leadership and all those who matter for availing or being part of the decision to come and preach here. I'm really very happy to be here this morning. I am back home after several years. The letter I received asked me to talk on the theme for God to love the world. I've been asked to talk on the theme for God to love the world. And so what I did was that I considered it to be a very broad area that I could say several things. So, beloved brethren, before I pray, I want to inform you that I looked out for two words which I will emphasize and that will lead me into the context of my sermon. Amen. Shall we then pray? Father, we thank you so much that it's time to hear your word. And it's all about you. So I pray that, Lord, you touch my lips and touch the hearts of my beloved brethren sitting in the congregation 
that we may hear your voice clearly and understand what you want to talk to us about. In Jesus' name, amen. The Bible says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. Now, I find it very, very interesting that the Bible will say, So loved. It means that it is of essence. The love was of essence and is still of essence to God. And it is very, very, very important and critical. So we must find out about that love. But before we can appreciate that love, we must understand where that love has come from. The source of that love. And the source of that love is God. So what I'll try to do is to find out who God is. And then knowing who God is, if we think about this God initiating a move of love for us, then all of us can appropriate this love and live within the confines of this love. As we sat at Shashi in one of our committees in the Dickens room, I read on the, on the wall several titles given to God. And I said, wow, that is good. But there, was, there were two that were not there. And I said, God, I thank you because I'm going to preach. And if these are here already, the Dickens have read it. So I'll use it to preach. Who is God? God is God of all lords. Before you can appreciate his love, you must know who he is. God is the God of all lords, as well as God of all kings. You know how powerful kings are. And when the Bible talks about kings, the Bible is referring to powerful kings like Nebuchadnezzar, Darius, and those powerful kings. But God is the Lord of them all. And God is the God over all of them. And God is the God of all lords and the Lord of all gods and the King of all lords and gods that there be. It tells you about how powerful and how strong this God is. It doesn't end there. This God that we are talking about is the beginning of beginning. The Bible says that in the beginning God created. So this means that he was before the beginning. So he's the beginning of beginnings. And so the beginning that you know about in the Bible does not know the beginning who is the real beginning that is God. So when we think about God, we must know that he's not a it's not a mean something. God is a powerful, very powerful spirit. He is sovereign. Not in the context of the sovereignty that you know. But he's a sovereign over all sovereignty. And every sovereignty that there be is subject to him. Because he's a sovereign of all sovereignty. So he's a sovereignty of sovereignties. The sovereign God is his name. The Bible says again about him in Isaiah 40, 23 that he it is who reduces kings to nothing. 
He it is who reduces kings to nothing and makes the judges of the earth meaningless. He it is who reduces all kings to nothing and makes the judges of the world meaningless. And these are institutional issues in governance of a country where people respect so the judges, the judgment, the constitution and things of the land. And God says that God is the one who reduces kings to nothing and makes judgments meaningless. He is indeed sovereign. He is powerful. Now this powerful God now you can appreciate that he's a powerful God. He's a power within power. Not even that thing that catapults NASA, National Aeronautics and Space Administration, the Manned Space Trails Capital in America, that force that pushes the, the, the shuttle. God is more powerful than that. Because the mind, the mind of the people who did physics and things, that came out with that powerful force, the thought of it came from this God of ours. And he gave them knowledge. So, he's simply a great God. So, you see, before you can appreciate God so loved, you must know who this God is. And I've told you who he is. Then the Bible says he's so loved. Whom did he love? What? What? motivated this love. Because men have sinned against him. He created man with the view of keeping man to himself and man having that kind of good life in the garden of Eden. That man may have a joyful life and experience life and have relationship with God. Somehow man sinned. The recklessness of man caused man to sin. And there was a separation between him. So the Bible says that all of us, including me, we sinned against God. And sin and God are incompatible. They are inconsistent. Like water and oil. They are inconsistent. They will never hold. No matter the chemistry that a scientist in a laboratory evolves, they can never hold. That is God. So sin and God cannot hold. And so something, something motivated God that look, this sinful man who are doomed to eternal damnation because he who sins will die. He who sins must die. He who sins must die. And he who sins will die. And that thing can never be revoked by any constitution or by any means, no matter what group it is. Only God himself can revoke what he has done. And he looked at the frailty of man. He looked and saw the frailty of man. The uselessness of man. The hopelessness of man. The vulnerability of man. The inabilities of man. The incapacity of man to hold on to that which makes him once again. That will restore him to be a child, the beloved of God. Before Adam sinned, he was the beloved of God. And God wants to restore that relationship. As you listen 
examine your situation. That God will not allow sin. And God will not compromise sin. And sin cannot be part of God's economy. And so, three things. Three things which we are going to look at motivated God to do something about this love. About this sinner man who, if he doesn't do anything about him, the person will be doomed to eternal damnation. When the damnation is spoken about, you see, the language is so casual that we read it and we do not think about the depths of it. But God knew about it. And he knows about what is contained in that damnation. It's not an easy thing. It's not something that we must take lightly. I'll go and fornicate and confess my sins. I'll slap my wife and sit in the church with a beautiful and handsome face. I'll steal a car and then pretend that I didn't steal it. I'll be filled with pride. And then when I get to the church, I'll behave like a donkey moving on Sundays. You know, Sundays, donkeys move systematically. They don't even flap their ears. You see the point? So we do all these things. So you realize how man has sinned. The pride of man. The haughtiness of man. The selfishness of man. The greed of man. The disregard of man. Everything that we are doing. So man lives in an ocean of sin. We live in an ocean of sin. If you turn to the left, sin. You turn to the right, sin. You look up, sin. You take a step, sin. If you don't have God, you can never escape sin. We live in an ocean of sin. Just like the fish lives in an ocean of water. If you go now and call the whale, whale, come out. What is your habitat? The whale doesn't know that it is living in water. The whale will tell you, I'm living in my habitat. So are we. We don't know that we live in an ocean of sin. Sin is all around us. So your sin have separated, you and I, our sins have separated us from God. And God was touched. He said, I must do something. Three things I have identified. Others might have identified more. That motivated God. And so the love of God is not one thing. For me, the love of God entails three components. And that is what has guided me. When people come for counseling and you ask them, what is the evidence that you want tomorrow we love ourselves? The love they are talking about, they don't know about it. The fact that the lady has rosy cheeks and flogging curls. She has a pointed nose. Shiny lips. And she walks like Miss Island, contorting her body in a way that even at additional mathematics in Form 5 cannot be able to describe it. You look at that one, Getty, and you say, I love. So you ask them again, is that love? Oh, yes. What else? Oh, her shape. You know, that was in 19th century, Miss Island. They say the vital statistics of Miss Island has never, never, ever, up to 9,000. So it is that because she has that, I love. And you ask a lady too, why do you love the man? Oh, the way he works mathematically. He works mathematically. And his voice, the way that 
the voice crescendo, get, get you must understand, crescendo and all the things, the way he, the voice is tuned and toned according to you. Ah. So they have no idea about what the love is. And to many of them, and with all apologies, many of them, they talk about love because whilst you are wearing a dress, their eyes are going through the dress. They are seeing something beyond it. That is, that is attracting. That isn't love at all. God's love is different. Three things motivated God's love. The first one I consider was concern. When the Bible says that he loved us, God was concerned about us. Fellow feeling. God was concerned. That's the first ingredient of his love. Why was he concerned? Because he knew about hell's fire. He made hell's fire. He made hell's fire. He created hell's fire. And he knows the intensity of the heat of hell's fire. He knows about the intensity. He knows that my skin cannot tolerate and be able to meet, I mean, to be able to stand that hell's fire. So he had a fellow feeling for us. I have made a law. Oh, Auntie Joanna comes in. Joanna, you are welcome. We were together. And our senior pastor, he'll come soon. Yeah. Joanna and uh, our senior pastor, we've been friends long before the white men came. We've been friends long before the white men came. If you have read Ghana history, it says the white men came. We've been friends long before the white men came. And I'm also very proud to announce that at this place, when Reverend Steve Williams was waiting for my wife to be brought, it was Reverend Digby, my best man, who brought my wife. <laughs> so he was my best man. So beloved brethren, so Joanna, you are welcome. Sorry, I should call you. I don't know the title they have for you here. So, Mama Key, all right. Ma Mama G, all right. All right. So whatever it is, we are said. Mama G, Mama Key, Mama E. Pass for me, the old name, Joe, still holds. Now, God knew. I've, I've told you, what, what is it? God knew that sin cannot come into his presence. Sin cannot come into his presence. All kinds of sins. No matter, and you not brush sin away. And you not compromise sin for anything. So if you think that you can hide your sin from God, I'm telling you that God and sin, they are like water and what? Oil. They can never go together. But he felt for man, fellow feeling. That's why I said that he was concerned. He asked himself, how can this boy, Kofi, how can this frail boy, Stand the heat of hell. How can he stand the heat of hell? So you must know that as you sin and continue to sin, and sin has become part of your culture, and you found a very beautiful English word for it, uh, how do you call it? Besetting sin. Besetting. Say it, you are living the culture of sin. 
The sin that you cannot resist when the Holy Spirit, all these things, God will not appreciate for one. And then God knew that if you go by his governance structure, no man will survive. All men will perish. And so something motivated him. And that something is the love that is being spoken about. And there are three components in that love which I want to talk about before I go into it. The first one is concern. And it is true. I told you, Ashita. My mother was a baker. And my sister-in-law was a baker. And any time that I had to walk past the, the, uh, the, the front uh, oven, the heat that comes, I ask myself, so, when we, when pastors talk to you about hell, don't wish it away. It's a very serious thing. Now the Bible talks that hell is eternal fire. God knows eternal fire. Matthew 25, 41. Eternal fire. The fire that does not get quenched. No amount of rain will quench it. No amount of water will quench it. Once you are in it, you are in it. Hell's fire. So he says that it is eternal. Forever and ever. What? So begin to think about it. If you are living a life inconsistent with God's expectation of you, begin to change your heart now. For hell is not where you have to go. Hell is not where you have to go. You might have been a Christian for 30 years, but your life is inconsistent with your, uh, well, there's inverse proportion between your, between your, your, your age in Christ and what you are doing. You must change. And I must change. And so, that is hellfire, number one. Number two, we are told that hell is eternal destruction. Eternal destruction. Second Thessalonians 1 9. The form the destruction will take, I don't know, but destruction. Or best say, about 50, yeah, butter. To destroy. Don't take these things for granted. And don't let us live our lives anyhow. So the little gossips. Look, people don't even fear. Congregation members can sit congregation and gossip about the man of God. Hey! The congregation member can gossip about somebody. Look, we pastors, we are human beings managing a perfect institution given by God. We are not perfect like God. So you must rather thank God for our lives. God calls an imperfect man to manage a perfect divine institution. And not from a country point that means careful. Jesus, Bawa Saba. You see, so if you understand it that way, and the pastor makes an error, don't judge him. Look at what Jesus said in John. I don't want to go into that area. You, you, you judge what your eyes, you don't understand. And you see, find a congregation member sitting and tearing his pastor into pieces. 
like a wild dog, dropperman dog in my cage, that has been released at 11 o'clock because of robbers, tearing everything on the compound. So that dog, before you go to sleep, must make sure that no towel is hanging, nothing, no paper, because as soon as it gets out, distraction, distraction, distraction. So they say that hell is eternal destruction of who? Sinners. Of sinners. Not, not religious people. Of sinners. Some Christians, they have debased themselves to be religious. They are no longer Christians. Because the spirit of Christ has long left them. Their lives have changed. If they are traders, they are doing the calabule like any other person. If they are truck road drivers, they are shortcutting. And the most painful thing is that Christians in the house of God are under invoicing their salary. So they pay less tithes. They have under invoiced their salaries. Somebody is paying 2000 He comes to pay a tithe of 150 Is that correct? Is that the right the correlation? He has under invoiced the salary. So he has declared the salary to be 1500 When in reality, it should be 2000 under invoicing. Even in human law, customs will send you to Ioku to be probed. Wherein there lies the fear of our eternal destruction. I'm just trying to link you with who the God is and his nature and why we must take his love seriously to stop sinning. Then the third says that God, they say the fire burns with brimstone. While hell is a lake of fire, the fire burns with brimstone. And brimstone is what God's wrath so the fire burns with the intensity of God's anger. And God is always angry at sin. He is angry at sin. So the intensity of the fire burns according to God's anger. And they say the fire is a lake. Now, a lake has no what? Outlets. A lake is different from a lagoon. A lagoon has an outlet. It goes into the sea. As for a lake, it is lake. Guns call it Pahaku. A machine. And the Kwapin say Otare. A Tao. It doesn't move. And the fire is being stoked every time with the anger of God against sin. So imagine it. If you are living a life of fornication, if you are living a life, there are some people who cannot speak one sentence without three lies in it. Exaggeration of Anokwa. So, since I cannot list all sins, I don't attempt to go into sins. Because there are several. So, hell is lake of fires. And God being so concerned for us that, look, we cannot bear it, Reverend Hammond. We can't bear And it is true. We can't bear it. Just last week, I'm sure you heard about it. A policewoman was burned to death with her three children. That's the member of Legon Baptist Church. Gas, yes. Kitaban. She got burnt and her three children got burnt with their mother and they all died in two days. 
So we went to bury them on Friday. Four coffins in the sanctuary. And if they say that fire will burn you, look at even human fire. Their skin, their skin was totally gone. So there was no place for infusion. And the epidemics of the skin could not play the role that it should play because it was not there. God knows that you can't be in that lake of fire that is standing. There's no outlet for it. For that, the, the, if there were an outlet, you say that some of the water will be going and the intensity of the heat will reduce, but it's not moving. And the wrath is still there against him. Out of this concern, out of this, God became concerned that I must go to save these sinful people because they cannot. And really, Nibwe, uh, Reverend Nibwe, they cannot. And we cannot. So the first component and ingredient that motivated what we call God's love is what? Concern. Fellow feeling. And I told a childhood story at Shashin. When I was in classes, classes in a village school called Aloboshin, some of you attended Radiant Way, Ghana Highway. I don't envy you. That's your destiny. God gave you. But me, Aloboshin, now Aloboshin has become virtually periurban. There are houses around. And one day, one of our friends was walking past our headmaster's uh, office. The headmaster was Master Kojo of Blessed Memories gone away. And they heard that one of our friends was going to be punished. The boy classes, he didn't understand what is punished. He said that they're going to post. So he came to tell us, he called his friends. That hey, they said they'll punish this thing for something he did. Say, what is punished? We were all trying to find what is punished. And you know that in our time there was a district called Michael West. When Michael West is defining a word, he mentions the word. So you don't find the meaning of the word. Yeah, and so one boy came. He said, oh, do you know what pastor, uh, master is saying? He's a patient. Do you know a patient? He's an ever. You know, an Alboshi is in an ever community. Ekpe is stone. So he says that God, the headmaster, they are going to take stone to and rub the nose of our brother till he begins to bleed. So he said, the meaning is a patient. So because we all know what is a patient, hey! So they are going to take a quick to rub the nose of our friend until he bleeds. In fact, that alone made us his friends. We started to cry. Because as for master, if he says you'll be punished, you'll be punished. We didn't understand punishment, but what we knew was a patient. Because a quick is stone, isn't it? So they are going to use stone. Brethren, you can't stand a patient. That is why it is very important for you to appreciate what we call love. So the first component of God's, the thing you call love, is what concern. The second one was sacrifice. And all these things were attempted by God to save the sinner, you and I.
yesa wo boni mu ye nante wo boni mu ye mbi bia boni na chire boni ye ache ye ma enunti na anopa ye ntumi ye morning devotion no obi sori anopa so kwa so ro bisa se ne devotional text ne wa ye bi fi se onim lo ko kan devotional vacancy o boni no te wo fi So God, after showing concern, said, no, there's only one thing that can be a senior pastor. Can. Let us applaud him. <laughs> he didn't hear what I said before. Some years ago, he was the one who brought my wife here. By then, this marble was not there. It was somewhere here. My best man, he went and brought Esther, and I had a wife. This is the man, my best man. <laughs> so, brethren, God, being concerned about us, knew that he had to do something. That's something called for a sacrifice. So, if you love somebody, you sacrifice for that somebody. I've shared with my brother, Reverend Dingley. How many times I've put my head on the line for people I even don't know. And the worst of it was when I once had visitors outside the country. And Dickens were sitting at an eatery, eatery commonplace, and tearing their pastor apart. They were not Baptists. I didn't know them. But listening to the conversation, I said, let me put my head on the line for that man. I got up and went to their table and asked them, what you are doing, is it righteous? I confronted them. I didn't stop there. I went to their church and met with their pastor. And their pastor told me the story. I said, call me those three men. Are you fit to be deacons? The pastor is supposed to be your friend. You are supposed to, what? Whisper into his ears. You are supposed to be his eyes on the ground. You are supposed to be his ears among the congregation. You are supposed to reconcile the congregation against him. You are supposed, the misconceptions on the mind of the congregation members, you, the deacon, must explain so that they can understand why an imperfect man has been called by God to manage a perfect institution, the body of Christ. Imperfect as we are, God has called us to manage a perfect institution. How can we? To understand Paul when he says that even when he wins you for Christ, he's also running the race with you. So there was a need for sacrifice. And the sacrifice called for the blood of his son, Jesus Christ. Which we call the atonement. His blood atoned for our sins. But you must understand by a man called Reverend Peter Stevenson, who by God's grace was my left hand. When he was doing a reflection over a, a, a writer who was a writer of incarnational theology, he said, ah, look, the blood of Jesus is the only thing that can effectively confess the sins of men. Only the blood of Jesus. Not the blood of turtle doves. Not the blood of goats. Not the blood. Only the blood of Jesus. And he didn't end there. Mark Lord didn't end there. He said that the blood of Jesus it plumps 
You know plumber. It goes deep to fetch the waters of pardon and forgiveness from the depths of God. And only the blood of Jesus can do that. And to get the blood of Jesus, his son must die. His son must die. Now, if you have ever seen a borehole rig drilling water, you see the depths that it goes. Sometimes 100 liters. 150. And if it doesn't get water and hits rock, we cause something fracturing. It has to break the rocks in search of that to, to, to satisfy the concern of God. He sacrificed his son to go that deep, plumb, plumb. Use all the PVC pipes, richer PVC pipes, to be able to reach to the depths of God's pattern for us. And so Jesus could get up and say that living waters will now flow. Living waters. Because he has read the depths of where the living and that living water is the spirit of God that Jesus' blood fed to put in you and I. So we live because the Holy Spirit is in us. Not because of who we are. Because the blood the blood that went deep and plumbed brought that thing. It is a deep sacrifice. But he did it. So that man may not go to hell. So that man may not be thrown into hell's fire. So that you and I, who have been gossiping, gossiping things we don't know, we exaggerate, we tell stories, we tell tales, all manner of things, we insult pastors. Some of you cry. Look, if a quapi man is going to tell lies, Manu, you drew. In, in, in Nachi, it means that what he's going to see, watch it. It's not true. But we, there are no sad people. We say it. And so the blood of Jesus had to be shared by God. So that his rule and principle that no sinner will come to him will be abated. And so he died. And sacrifice himself. Think about the cost to God. Beloved brethren in Christ. Including myself. No man is perfect. But no man should be static in his sinful position. You must make a move towards righteousness. And I've told you that righteousness has become a cliche. I've already told you about how many of you are, in, are invoicing your salaries. It's not righteousness. Righteousness is doing the right thing at the right time to glorify God. And if you under-invoice your salary, you are paid 2000 and you pay tight of 150 are you doing the right thing at the right place, which is the word of God? You are doing the wrong thing. And there are many wrong things that you are doing in the house of God. Not only this church. Not only my church. You know all the churches. People are taking God for granted. Because they think that he will lavish love. Hey, it costs him. It costs him a lot. And you will not take it for granted. And the final one was that after he has shown concern and sacrificed his son, he made his son die so that for you and I, our sins, his blood may atone for us. He also showed care. After you have delivered the person from hell's fire, potentially going to hell's fire. And you have brought him up. Where does he go? He promises in my father's house are many mansions. He has provided for you. 
a place of peace, a place of joy, a place where there will be nothing to worry about but that's worshipping God. Even worshipping God in the church is a problem for some people. They are wasting time. You should preach quickly and let's go. What is the priest team doing? Ah, these songs who can't we sit in a house. All kinds of things run through your mind. It is sin. I mean, let me tell you plain play. It is sin. It is sin. You know it. I told the young ladies in my church that all of you who go to the sin stress and intentionally tell the sins that we say chatareno, chatareno, chano say. Sorry, I'm speaking. <laughs> so you see a Christian. A Christian, perhaps a thinking, walking about, and seven tenths of his breast is showing. Seven tenths. Look at this seven over ten point seven zero. Oh yes, 0. 0.7. 0. 0.7 of every how do you call it in integer is 0. 0.7. 0. 0.7 of it. The, the 0. 0.3 that is left is the little. Even that one, right? They put lace on it so you can see it through the lace. Hey, Bonnie. So Jesus, God saw all these things, my brother, Aaron and said, "These people, if I don't do something." So he showed concern. And then he sacrificed his son. And then in order to show that he's a good God, he made provision. And that provision is the care that I mentioned. That is building mansions in heaven. Paving the streets of heaven with gold that you and I who were sinners will walk on it. Why should you continue to live in your sin? If God went to this extent for the sake of sinners. So when we talk about love for me, it means what? Concern, sacrifice, and care by God. And all these three put together tells me that God indeed is a passionate God. But the most interesting part of it is that after he had given us these three pillars of his love, he crystallized it. He gave it a solid foundation with something we call grace. Grace, Adom, Jomo, Dromi, Adom. And so these three pillars stand in the grace, which is immovable. So we get up to the say, for by grace have we been saved. It wasn't as easy as that. God did it. All these things show the love of God for the sinner. The love of God for the rebels like you and I. The love of God for mankind and humankind. So that none. Because the Bible says that it is not his wish that any should perish. That is his wish. That's why he did all these things. My brother and my sister. If God manifested these three things and embedded them in grace, why should you continue to live in your sin? I think now I'm telling you that God will not compromise sin for it. It doesn't matter how beautiful and handsome you are. If you died in sin, you go to hell. You know, 
That is why it's difficult when people are writing tributes. It's only one tribute that I have heard that a daughter, even that one, I rebuked the girl, was saying everything about the father. I said, no, no, this one, if you didn't intend to write on. But look at the tributes that we write as if we are God. We deceive ourselves. He was a kind man. He was a generous man. He was loving. His home is always open. He doesn't tolerate gossip. He gives money freely. His wife is always in his bosom. Their children are always in his car. All manner of sins. And you read this and you go home and say, he was a good man. Are you the judge that God is? I commend to you that consider the four things God has done. Because of you and I, he showed concern. He sacrificed his son. And then he cared by providing for us. What again do you want? What again do you want that this morning you want to leave this place without rededicating your life to Christ? As for me, I'm saying that for all these things that God did, it's like somebody whose birthday party has been planned for him. He didn't pay a pay. I'm not saying this because of my brother. I wrote this sermon before my brother. So it has coincided. It's coincidence. Look, whose birthday party has been planned, adequately planned. Months have been taken to plan it. He didn't contribute a person. It isn't that he's not, he's poor not to, but they didn't want him to. God didn't want him to suffer. It has been planned. It is like a pleading with a cutter on it. It's like a pleading with a cutter on it. A fair pleading, it's for for for. It's like somebody who has been giving fruit cake. And in addition to the fruit cake, there is this very good ice cream cup of it by it for him to eat. Why what do you want again? God has set the table. God has set the table. Those that can be eaten with cutlery, he has put cutlery by them. Those like Okonti and Banku Tozafi, he has washed your hands already. You don't need to wash your hands. It is done. It is done. You don't need to live in your sin again. Brethren, in conclusion, before I go, I want to remind you that it took God, whom I described earlier, effort, and that effort was made up of what his concern, sacrifice of his son. You saw how the son died and what the blood did by the atonement that I talked to you about. And then that atonement fetched from the depths of God's pardon the living water for you to live in connection with God. And finally, he has made provision for mansions. The mansions in heaven are not the mansions you are talking about. The mansions on earth cannot be compared in any way to the mansions in heaven. And at every funeral service that I've preached, I've told the people, as for me, the mansions are bungalows. My bungalow is bungalow number three. Moses is in bungalow number one. Saul of Tarsus, bungalow number two. Samuel Utupimpong, Bangalore number three. I am positive. And I am determined, Fred, my brother knows that I'm determined by any way to occupy that Bangalore. I will not let anything, I will not let anything cause a deviation in my focus and concentration on where I want to go. Beloved brethren, I recommend Jesus to you. This morning, if you reject him, you have chosen hell. If you want to rededicate your life, it's free for you. For he has done his part. And you cannot accuse him. I conclude by telling you 
that the grace that God has given is sufficient. Take advantage of it so that you will no longer be a condemned being in the eyes of God. Amen.